This is Sean Boyke, and I'm with Dr. David Hyland. I'll do the introductions as we get into the presentation. This was just a cover page because I was, me and a bunch of friends were going to be in Orlando with you. Congratulations. Um, I know it was the first, your first day over there with the, with the uh, Space Force Association's um, inaugural fourth, you know, your conference and your fourth birthday coming up. So, uh, Happy birthday to you guys. I remember talking to Donald Trump before he actually made it real. So so anyway, congratulations. Happy birthday. We love you. We'd like to be with you. But this, I think, is good because you can be in your hotel room at your own comfortable means. The cool thing about this is, is it's not tied directly to Air Force because it's AIAA. And I'm Sean Boyke, and I consult to lots of different companies and different uh even countries, if they want to build aerospace or um, industries, they, I have consulted to different Asian countries that were thinking about doing it. So let's move along, shall we? Okay. Now, the whole thing this is about is Dr. Hyland had invented this really cool giant satellite based off of NASA's original Echo. There was an Echo 1 and an Echo 2. Okay, and it was an inflatable lot like mylar antenna that they put up in in space, and um, so so he actually invented a method of doing it in a different means by having a solar microwave fabric, which means it has solar cells on top, it has conversion techniques inside, and rectennas either printed or transparent to it also, and that means you can take energy from the sun and convert it, and transmit it back down to Earth. Now, what he had found out is you could you could actually vape, because the energy is so massive, you could vaporize anything anywhere in its, telemet in its uh, telemetry or transitioning point, whether it's at launch, uh, mid-launch, or, you know, getting to its apex. We'll get into more stories about that later. The other thing on the right-hand side... If America wants to maintain being number one, we need a space White House. It has to have a really cool situation room and and a a table that we could go and discuss and and sign treaties for peace. Okay, let's can and then to do it, everything has to be digitally created. So this is a image from Northrop's. My buddies at Northrop, hi Northrop and and Boeing, love them, love all my aerospace companies. So anyway. You'll see some of the slides from all the wonderful companies that are in aerospace. Now, these orbits shown there, we're going to discuss how they're useful and how they're effective and how they could actually, you know, in LEO, it's falling to Earth. So we have Dave gets into the very technical nitty gritty on this. Because we have so many slides, I'm going to try to take about a minute on each slide or less. So this, uh, I had a really cool, uh, constitutionist uh, professor and he was actually manager of engineering at uh, on the international space station his name is Stephen jackson anyway he he said sean do you know what the world's biggest events ever were it was either the ruin or peace of this world and he says the world was falling apart in the roman days so so anyway the first one was the life of jesus christ because that changed the trajectory of the world the second one was when we america created and dropped the atomic bomb and so we used it 
So, which means we could have planted our flag anywhere and said, okay, the whole world's the United States of America. <laughs> but we didn't do that. We let everyone maintain their sovereignty. We only asked one thing. There was only one monetary trade system used around the world, and it's the, inter it's the U.S. dollar. And, uh, and then it would be today. We are going to prove to you, scientifically prove, that we can actually dominate space and anything that comes coming towards space or coming from space into Earth, we can wipe it out or vaporize it, okay? So it's the coolest thing in the world. I'm really excited and extremely honored that I get to present this to you. Over on the right-hand side, it's really cool. They have the Western Wall, and all these words here are the name for peace and love. I just thought that's a perfect way to do a Christmas presentation with a lot of heavy-duty science in it. Now, because this is for the Space Power Group, now, I don't have to read you what you already know, okay? In space, superiority, right? Delivering operations from space, which means communications and, you know, positioning, navigation, timing. You know, doing that, I've done space for a while. A lot of us have done the GPS satellites or the rocket ships that put it there and stuff like that. So, so we need to maintain leadership with that and controls and and any threats that should happen to them we got to be able to annihilate those threats we're going to show you how and then to space should something want to you know coming up like those nuclear missiles you know long range control and network infrastructure we will show how we can do this in a whole new fashion so it's time to change our paradigm oh plus the ultimate thing is this like saltzman said our mission statement is call to action concisely encapsulate our purpose and identity as guardians and the members of the profession of arms, Saltzman. Well, our goal today is to make you look like a superhero. That's it. <laughs> it's, and we're going to do that today. So here's the goal. We create the Space Power Star Shield. This has to be a shield. That's what we're going to call it, even if it has different names and different people own names and stuff. Uh, we're going to call this one the Space Power Star Shield. It's a defense. We're going to talk defense heavily on this one. We will discuss the importance of energy and then the importance, I really believe, we need a president, presidential house in space that they could visit, like Camp uh, David, okay? And then if it's possible to sign a world peace agreement, ultimately on the day of death and resurrection of Jesus Christ 2,000 years from now. So by the reason I had to get this done by 2023 is we have a little bit less than 10 years to get this mission. So like Kennedy wanted us to go to the moon and return us safely back to Earth, this is our call to make this make this space station. We keep talking about flying cars and, and having things up there. We haven't gone anywhere. Not really. We should have really progressed a lot quicker than we are. So let's show you how. Excuse me. These people will always bother me and I will. Sorry, guys. Okay. So the objective, how do we reign in peace on space? Again, we do exactly what your mission is. Now, we must technologically mature a lot of um, emerging technology. We got to test them, prove them, and so on. And we got to actually narrow them down. So 
Now, and then we should be the number one peacemaker and energy maker leader in the world forever. You know, at least for 250 years from now, just like we've been a country for almost 250 years in a, in a couple of years, right? So we need to do that. We can't keep passing debt forever onto our grandchildren. So we need to address that problem. Now, if we have an entire celestial bodies of these power stars and you can control all the frequencies and all the EMs that are going out or coming in or whatever. We I, I, I was, we can actually build a, a weather taming and control system even better than HARP. So we're going to show, we're going to touch on that if time permits. So anyway, and again, the occupied space house, very important. I love it called the Peace Palace. We get that up there. If there's somebody warring like right now, if you say we had it and you flew Putin and um, the guy from Ukraine up there. And you talked about it and said, okay, what did you want to do again? Hey, you see those satellites there? Hey, blow up one of his things and do it right in front of him. Do you think they're going to keep doing that to you? And you think I'm going to have to keep shelling out money out of the American taxpayer's pocket forever? So anyway, very important. The other thing, this is really cool. For all my musician buddies out there online, we set up the world's Biggest festival ever for the for Christ Messiah's 2000th anniversary. And there's really cool ways to do this. Watch this. So I have something coming up. It's really cool. So I'm going to briefly touch on this. Dave goes into it in good technical detail. Okay. Basically, it creates energy, transmits it, goes back down. We actually have the same material on top of our power grid, like on our transformers, or even on your rooftops, even on your rooftops or tents anywhere in the world. You could have a tent with this material and we could beam it to you. Okay. So you can have energy sent to you and communication sent to you. So that's basically the that in a summary. Dave's going to show you how the power concentration can actually be, he's, if we did a one kilometer one, it would be 200 megawatts. <laughs> that's freaking huge. And that's with known technologies today. 130 suns power, power density. This is amazing. So, <laughs> and then if something gets close to it, it can vaporize that. So talk about a protection technique. You know, this is it. Okay. I'm really excited when Dave gets into this because I'm excited and honored that we get to present this to you, especially right before Christmas. Let's move along. All right. When you see, <laughs> when you can't make them see the light, make them feel the heat. Ronald Reagan. Love Ronald Reagan. And a thing about Ronald Reagan, my dad and I, we found out not long, maybe a decade or so after Ronald Reagan had retired from the White House, that after he Ronald Reagan was shot and he went back to the White House, he said, Ronald Reagan goes, well, now do I get to choose my number one Secret Service guy? And he goes, I want Bobby, Bobby Boyke. And that was a guy that grew up three doors next down from my dad. So, and we didn't know about it. So it's really cool, but we didn't know about it. And after that, he became the chief of procurement for the secretary of defense. And he weeded out a bunch of um, money. <laughs> uh, um, the A-12 with Cheney, he found it. He had, he used the Lee Iacocca technique of finding mischarging 
So the other, now this quote here is fantastic. And this comes from David Highland. In 1947, his dad, Charles Highland, who was working with the Army Arsenal before there was ever a, a U.S. Air Force, um, he was posted to Hiroshima just after the explosion. Um, Dave, can you elaborate on this? I'd rather you come out of your mouth than mine. Well, let's see. Is that too hard? I'll do it. The horrors he and others experience make it hard to believe that our country would ever start a nuclear war. So we must prevent this forever. Now that's Dave Highland's quote, and that's got to go down forever. And we can. Today, we're going to show you how. There's a video online. The w, you know, World War Three. all these that have the nukes. Yeah, that's the end. You know, we're going to try to prevent this from ever happening. And able to get there. People in the space force probably know the name Mike Coyote Smith. Um, space development. So, anyway... We know that all these things, policy, law, logistics, science, technology, engineering, business cases, all these things have to be hashed out. You can see a lot of work's been done. All of A lot of this can be transferable to what we're doing in a different means. All right. Now, the man of honor, my buddy, Dr. Dave. So when I first met Dave, he goes, okay, here, I love the introduction. Hi, I'm Dave Hyland. And then we were, it was a, it was all these PhDs got together at a conference and they only had 50, 20 minutes to talk about what their PhD was in. And they all had like 30 slides or something or 50 or a hundred. <laughs> so they had to do it in 20 minutes. Right. So anyway, the introduction, he, he streamlined his introduction, Dr. David Hyland, PhD from MIT in 1973. Boom. That's the coolest. So Dave, you could talk about, we only got a minute and a half. Want me to talk it? Talk what, what, my... Uh, Your MIT, you were from MIT, and then you went to... Yeah. You worked on reentry systems and technology and control with, at, with Lincoln Labs? Yes. And, then, and uh, that actually, I worked for them for... Uh, I was educated at MIT, yes, and... Uh, uh, I uh, I worked at MIT Lincoln Lab for about fourteen years. Uh, obviously, DoD uh, matters, right? And um, on to Michigan uh, University. Of Michigan. Then I was hired uh, uh, to uh, Oh Harris. Yes, I I I. Uh, I led an advanced uh, technology group at Harris Corporation as a senior scientist until 1996. In the same year, uh, uh, I, I joined uh, uh, the, the, the University of uh, Michigan, Ann Arbor, as professor and chairman of the aerospace department. Yay, Michigan! And um, uh, it, it the uh, the the Michigan Aerospace Engineering Department was so, sort of uh, low on its research uh, uh, powers, and uh, but uh, I uh, I managed to increase the uh, research activity by 
uh, more than threefold. Uh, and, then, uh, and then, of course, uh, Texas A&M uh, uh, wanted me to go there, so I, I did in uh, 2003 as Associate Vice Chancellor of, of Engineering and Associate Dean of Research Administration. Uh, and I was also a, 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 a endowed chair and professor of aerospace engineering there, an adjunct, adjunct professor of physics and director of space science and space engineering research until uh, retirement uh, from uh, Texas A&M in August 2017. Um, and right after that, I, I established my little uh, consulting company, <laughs> uh, working for a government agency, uh, and so on. Um, and, but 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 mainly, uh, I I wanted to continue my research interests, uh, especially uh, uh, with respect to three rather large ideas that I had been thinking about for decades, okay? It was time. And that this includes the advanced uh, RF systems, uh, nanotechnologies for power collection, that, that's basically uh, PowerStar, and uh, quantum processes for distributed uh, imaging systems and advanced propulsion. Uh, the result of this work, uh, uh, just you know, after uh, uh, I uh, retired from A and M, uh, eight patents had been uh, issued: uh, U.S. patents, European, and Japanese. Fantastic! Hey, Dave, remember you said the Europeans had uh, reviewed your patent on the um, epitaxial device, the Casimir effect. What was their output? What was what was it they said to you? This is so amazing. Well, uh, the, the Europeans have a uh, a list of uh, characteristics to uh, you know to to characterize uh, uh, the uh, viability of of uh, a, a uh, an idea and. Uh, uh, lo and behold, uh, uh, their committees got together, and uh, uh, the uh, uh, epitaxial device idea uh, was rated uh, completely top rated, uh, mo most unusual. Um, and especially, uh, there, there's qu quite a few eminent uh, physicists actually doing. Uh, doing the review so i was i was very pleased of course yeah, and you were <laughs> under the microscope because you know they're not nice to us sometimes <laughs> they're not some of the europeans can be mean to, to they're they're critical to us in america some of mm -hmm. them yeah oh so, so now remember when when you and i were talking to, and you were developing this and you actually created the um the it was your power star um analysis sheet uh actually there's a huge paper with all the math science and 
and everything for the Power Star. And then you sent it on to Mike Coyote Smith. And I re- I remember you'd you'd talk to me just after he he had all his team review the whole thing. And he was telling you that uh wow, this is really incredible. And at the time you and I were looking at it to vape you were looking at it to vaporize meteorites coming to Earth. And you said you can vaporize a 90 metric ton one. And Mike Coyote says Smith said, Yeah, well, you know, you could vaporize a fighter jet, a bomber, just about anything anywhere at the, you know, close to the speed of light. So that is I hold in high regard. And that's where we're going from here. Now, is that cool enough, Dave? Yes. Okay, thanks, guys. Well, I don't want to. I know I'm running out of time. It's 5.30 and we haven't even gotten into the nut and bolt yet. So please forgive me. I know that Zoom is always slow and we we did have a little hiccup ourselves. So forgive us for a little bit delay there. Had to start the thing with the Elvis though. And I'm going to tell you why. So yes, I've worked on a lot of things. I was lucky. I started at my dad's engineering company, General Engineering and Controls, right across the street from the GM Tech Center. We did machine tools special machines that would make all the powertrain stuff within microns, okay? So ANSI Y14.5 was invented for that industry because we did stuff within microns. So so then I got recruited to work at Northrop on the B2 as a tool design engineer. And then, uh, so the, I worked on the B2. I also got, I went to, worked at a lot of places on my 13th airplane was the F-18 ENF, as seen in the Top Gun Maverick movie. Got to do the center fuse on that baby. And then right after that, uh, Jim and Joanne Arnaz, who are now managers at Lockheed, they they re- recommended me to a job consulting to Martin Marietta. And it was Samsung wanted to make an entire a- Asian aircraft industry. And it was... They had an agreement to do 100, 100 passenger airplane for China, and they wanted to do it for themselves also in Korea, and they wanted to have duplicates. I didn't know this till the end they were going to do duplicates. So I went and lived in, I did the Korea thing for three and a half months, came back here, found out that the the Chinese got all the data they wanted from them, and then uh, they ended up going with the old company I worked for, McDonnell Douglas, now Boeing. They bought the MD-95. So... So as it's happened in the past, Chinese took the took all the knowledge and ran and left them high and dry. And then I right away I got put on Samsung's electric vehicle, which was EV4. And all it was was a crappy clay model. They only had three people working on it. So I had to build the team and had to do it in two and a half years. So the second shift was um GM during shutdown, they did the front surfacing and all the packaging. And then the second shift here in California was because it was on Katia. I had to keep the thing running because I didn't have enough people and bodies to do the job in time. So my second shift was the International Space Station design team. So they'd come in into my second shift and they'd do the design. So that job for $12 million, we did 50 cars. So it was a low rate production, did 50 cars, showed at the Tokyo Auto Show, for twelve million, it gave GM bought it from Samsung for one point three billion. So that was a darn good deal. Now the coolest thing is I learned I I got to learn how to put together an entire master plan of how to build an entire company and a and a product. So that's what you need to do. What Dave 
and I need to do for this power star system. So anyway, did all that other stuff, wrote a book. Next one. <laughs> this is fun. I'm having fun with this because I love what we do for a living. Space solar power, of course, invented what, over 50 years ago, even earlier, of course. I got the notes there. Very, very important note over in the upper left-hand side. We wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for this event where my mother had passed. And on the eve of, uh, after it was a Catholic funeral, so when she went into the ground that evening, I kept hearing that song, If I Could Dream, over and over again. And then, and, and I couldn't find out why. Well, anyway, later that evening, I got, I got visitation from my mother's voice and Elvis's voice, and they were laughing and giggling and pulling, talking about practical jokes like, okay, electronically screw up some money, screw up his car, and screw up his computer. Well, inevitably, all three of those things happened. Not just then, but earlier this year. Okay, once, once, once I figured out how to stop nuclear war. So it happened twice. So anyway, but I got to see that the Earth was on fire. Okay, I was up in space and I was in a flying vehicle like the NASP would have been able to do, and I was up on that and and I could see the world on fire. And then we went and docked into a space space house. That's what I we need. So, and we got to see this and I go, oh, I know what we could do. We could use a space solar power. And, and because all these places on fire, like the Middle East and stuff, they were all on fire. They were having a caliphate wars, but they really had bad weather problems with the hot getting hotter. Well, we could actually control the weather and douse water on top of them using the space solar power, but they were black. So I couldn't tell the design of them. So when I first did a book, it looked something goofy. But uh, Dave invented the ultimate one. So amen to Dave. So because I finished my first book, which I was concerned, Boeing was now second in the world on aerospace. We were losing to, to uh, Airbus. And I'm like, my God, with the Wright brothers to now, now we're losing it. So I had to write this book with all my experience and other people's experience about the truth of the industry. And, and then... When that vision happened to me, I started the second one because I knew I told everyone about it. It actually happened two nights. I got it the first night when she was buried. And then the second, I got to come back and I could actually ask questions and I could go back and forth and get the answers no matter what. So I started writing the second book because nobody would believe me. Even my brother-in-law, I had to let him know right away. He was in charge of Selfridge Air Base, okay, in Michigan. And that was what he was in charge of. And, uh, Colonel James Worley. So anyway, I told him and I had to tell everyone because nobody would believe me. And then I wrote it down because I knew nobody would believe me. And this is it's taken 12 years to get to here. So after I finished my first book, it was actually published in the D Journal of Defense Management with Omex. They asked me to be a moderator. So I said, OK, so, well, first, just a just a key speaker and then moderate the whole thing, which is no big deal for me because I was taught how to present. So. So I went there and I finally got to meet Dave Hyland, Dr. Dave Hyland, and all these wonderful, wonderful people. Let me please make a, a statement. Forgive me if I say I too much, because one thing I loved is I went and seen a, a retired vice president from Northrop, Mike Simonera, and he wrote some great books about engineering, aerospace from Northrop point of view, and he did a Grumman one too. Anyway, he says, Anyone led a team before? Okay, you know that 
when it's when you're doing a team, it's always a we. So when I say I, it's a we. That's just what it is. So so I'm not boasting. So it's just okay, maybe you were ahead of that thing. Okay. So I don't mean to be so big headed. So forgive me for that. I had to say that. So after I did this and Dave came up with this fantastic concept and we, we actually had working groups together for quite a while with me and, and Don, Don Murphy. And, uh, and then I met Jack, uh, there was a president of a, a hedge funds, Fisher, Fisher investments. And also us bank, I think it was, they introduced me to how Wolf who created this green hedge fund called blue capital. And he, funded he put together the funding for over 90 percent of america's green energy so we had the team we had a, the money he had 54 billion at the time he's and he called me before i went and did another conference and uh as i came back and i finally got back to him he had passed and i couldn't get the people out out in time i couldn't get paul werbos because he was ill and then dave didn't retire yet i mean the timing wasn't ready now that we're in the future, we're here now. The time is right and the earth is right. And I think everyone on earth is ready for this. So, so this is where we are today. And let's go on and make this happen. So, so at one of the dinner meetings, Dave and I were talking about space solar power. And I had I told him about this war without oil book. And you see Mike, Mike uh, Smith talks about this too. Um, <clears throat> the goal here or the output is conclusion. Whoever has the most energy wins, period. <laughs> Whoever has the ability to produce wins and controls, period. So now if you Google this, known reserves today in our production and consumption level, we have less than 47 years of oil left. Let me caveat that because the greenies go nuts about that note. You know, we actually bury trash in a lot of different states and then we use and we it makes natural gas okay people know how to do that not only that but if you have an oil reserve or an oil field earth earth keeps making more oil they get to reopen those pumps later on so so there's a lot of things to be considered here but remember as our production or as our population keeps growing we do need to have alternative methods and this is the ultimate alternative method now, we're, who uses all the fossil fuel? What a stupid name. Because it's not, made for, it's not made from skin and bodies of dinosaurs. I mean, come on, old forests and stuff. So anyway, you can see the consumption levels are getting large, really astronomical. And, you know, there's your line of who needs the most. See, America, we're pretty long. We're cooking along here pretty darn even for a long time. We've improved our efficiencies more than anyone else. We've improved our, our um, carbon monoxide output and everything better than anyone else. The Paris Court Agreement, keep, keep, keep both of those smokestacks until everything else is working because you need redundancy. You need backup supplies. Remember, those power plants, you could send energy back up to the power star. What if you had a huge meteor or something coming at you and you wanted to vaporize it? You need our power plants on Earth sending it up to a satellite so you can blast something else out there that's bigger than you or something that could destroy you. So yes, we can definitely help China not have to build so many coal plants. Same with India. We're here to help. Because right now, according to Robert Zubrin, who's a 
his doctrines in nuclear. So he was mentioning that they bought the the Russian patent for a nuclear system, almost like a Chernobyl system. We need to make an American really good modular system for them if they need to do that. We got to get away from the Chernobyl systems. <laughs> okay. Now, this is a cool one because this is where all the CO2 is. Wait a minute. The, people still have everything backwards. CO2 creates heat. It's actually CO2. It's not the CO2 creates heat. It's the heat of the earth by sunspots. And that creates more CO2. So people scientifically, if they didn't tell you it that way, then then they didn't do the research right. So now let's look at the U.S. here. Looking pretty good, pretty stable all the time. Look at the tons and buildings. Yes, we use a lot. China uses more. So does all of Asia. Okay, we consumed a lot more, but we had because we were more modernized than everyone else for a long time, since the 50s till now, of course. Well, it's going to only get worse, right? So let's look at that. Okay, who's got all the power and what's it made out of? Okay, now there it is. Coal plants are number one. Where's all the coal? Here. <laughs> all right. We got to do, clean coal does exist. If you got to do that, scrub the heck out of it. Don't keep making people. If you've seen those pictures of a bad day in China or the pollution so bad. We've seen that in LA. We know we can help them with that. Move along. Now we did this presentation. Those are all the links. Back then, that was a clean air, clean aerospace, clean energy and sustainable energy future thing. So, and then, so I went a little bit on a tangent on that one because I was concerned about the a giant tsunami. I think we can cure that. So, now, in 1988, I was taught by Wright-Patterson Air Force Base because we were I was part of the Industrial Modernization Incentive Program, which is taking all that IRAD, CRAD out of the labs and stuff that Dave Hyland and his universities were doing and putting it into the production and sharing the savings both with corporate and with the taxpayer, at least we were hoping, or give the Air Force or with Marines or Navy, give them more money to buy other toys with or tools, tools to get the job done. So that's what I was taught to do. Okay. And that was my first project. It was, I laser welded unweldable aluminum. Even in today's textbooks, they don't show my system, but, but Wright Patterson knows it. And so does my buddies at, at NASA headquarters. So I was going to give that presentation tweaked for the space force, and it was around this time right here, May 18th. It just so happens it was the, according to the Catholic calendar, is the ascension of the Lord. So I said, wow, that's a perfect time. So we didn't get to do it. I didn't get feedback from them. But all these things line up. See the three at the end of everything, 240 years ago, 120 years ago. Heck, only in five days, it's the Wright brothers, right? I mean, that's awesome. And of course, Shepard, man, they were the first airplane pilots, first space pilots. Now we got to have Space Force pilots that come in and out of your new space hub up there. So moving along again. Sorry. We're at 544. Okay, today what's important is where we are and where we're going to go. Okay. We always get overloaded with verification and checking things like, you know, can you look at this before I go ahead and do it? The pet peeves. If you can... I know you people in our Space Force can go watch this uh, 
the Shriver Space Power with Dr. Lisa Costa. She did a great job explaining it. And like she was saying, she looks at things 25 to 30 to 40 years into the future. When I was doing a, a, a secret program in San Diego with, with Jim Pilkington, um, I looked at the 50-year plan. Little did I know, my cousin was in charge of the Secretary of Defense of purchasing them. So I got to see 50 years. We were supposed to have tons of V-22s, V-44s, V-66s, and so on, and other stuff. So anyway, amazing what we plan and what happens are two different things. Very important to notice. So anyway, I like this note here. How do we do it fast? And do we let a satellite have the intelligence to decide on a direct threat? The friend or foe technique is something we still haven't bugged out yet. We haven't debugged how to do that, you know? And then, you know, simple decisions, maneuvering sats via the threat versus risks, right? And threat determination. So anyway, we don't want more debris. The coolest thing is Dave's going to show you we can vaporize all debris. The first thing we do is doing that. So that's what's cool. So here's our session today. <laughs> I'm going to blast through this as fast as I can. And then Dave's going to go into the technical stuff. Depending where we are at, at the end of his slide, is depends on how fast I can explain the weather system, digital definition, the dead eliminator. We're going to try to do our best because all this is very important. We've already put a lot of mind and brain power into this. Let's see where we go. Okay. So like we were talking, all of this, because if it comes near it, it can vaporize. So here it is. This is the overview. There's a, there's just some solar fabric. I, I have a bunch of this on a boat in my backyard. And um and I was testing. I also use it to walk on. To, I want to see if I could deteriorate it. It's still at least 28% efficient. And um, anyway, and then this NASA Echo. See the NASA Echo right here? And I put it in blue. But see how small the people are? That was a, what, a 41 meter the first one was like 38 or 36. And then and then this one, the NASA 2 is, I think this is 2, maybe 1. 41.1 uh, Thank you, Dave. You're awesome, Dave. So anyone anyone that's been to a sensor show, they sometimes put Mylar balloons up there. If you put Piazzi film on the side of a Mylar balloon, it becomes a speaker. Well, that damn <laughs> echo is a giant speaker. So when, when we have the 2,000-year... Birth, uh, what would you resurrection party? Those could be good speakers and put LED lights on them and shit. Make it really fun. Let's move along. <laughs> okay, here's my dilemma. I had an offer to work at UAE, right? So it pays okay. Um, but my concern was mining energy forever. Well, I'm more concerned that it can be weaponized and used against us. And I would think that's somebody, my old companies of Boeing, Northrop, Raytheon, somebody can do that. Actually, it really needs to be led by Elon Musk, then Northrop, with the help of Boeing and Millennium and Raytheon. So that's, if I was to judge, that's who I'd pick at this point in time, knowing how they work from the inside out. So anyway, now moving along. So do we want our adversaries to have this technology before us? It's right in front of us. We're going to keep going and move along. Oil, okay, we know we can make the most, and we have the most. Okay, if the 47 years is up and we're out of all this stuff, where does this thing go? The important feature right here, 
This is beyond 47 years, and we need that kind of energy. Now can you understand why they want to make you drive electric cars? And, and hey, I developed electric cars. I love electric cars, but I drive a Jaguar because it sounds cool, and it runs good, and I love it. But I electric cars are great. They just got to sound cool and look cool. So, <laughs> But look at the energy demand. We need to help the world with this. America has to be maintained the GDP leadership in the world. And we have to be the energy creator and transmitter of the world. The, the COP28, okay. Ooh, who's all the carbon giants? Where's all the, all the bad stuff, you know? Hydrofluorocarbons, so on. This is your charts. I'm not going into it. You could watch tons of places to see this. I, use, I think that... Uh, Visual Capital, I think, is where I get a lot of these slides. They probably have the most honest information I've seen. So, moving along, we're at a we're at a turning point right now on Earth. Do we do we right now? It's the globalists versus us. Okay, um, we're not working in harmony yet. We can show us how to get there. We're going to show you how to get there. Okay, so so. Right now, we're in number one. We want to get to number two. Let's see how fast we can do that. I'm... Now, this is important because the technology, if you listen to the WEF and WHO and those UN people, they. I thought I'd had to die just to get this answer, okay? Because I asked about working in unity. I thought working in unity is great. And why would you make everyone dislike, I mean, different tongues so they couldn't communicate that's like anti-unity well there's my answer i found the answer uh david jeremiah you helped put this together thank you it was a pride they had pride they cared more about the new technology of the bricks when a person fell off the building they just kept on working and didn't give a crap when a brick fell off oh they'd have to stop and mourn it and have a little funeral for it okay for technology they put, they forgot the two rules of God. Love God first and love your neighbor. And I love what this guy said, right? I love what Carl Sagan said. Think of the rivers of blood spilled by generals and emperors so that in glory and triumph, they could become the momentary masters, right? Of a fraction of a dot, right? And now that we have the James Webb telescope, we are really a dot of a dot. So <laughs> anyway. Now, this one I thought was cool because it's it's a way of looking at things. Take your time to read this your other time. I don't have time today. But if you thought, I like how people in the past used to think that the sun's going to burn out based on our known fuel. If it was burning coal or something, they thought it was going to burn out a lot quicker than we know physics, in a physicist point of view. It can last a lot longer. Although Dave is saying that there's concerns with that because we're not getting into that. But I like what uh, Dr. Zubrin said. He said, you know, a granite slab, what is it? Like, I don't know the price because I don't do that work. A granite slab, let's just say 50 bucks a, a pound. But if if you're mining it for nuclear energy, well, then it becomes like $5,000 a pound. See the difference of limited and unlimited resources? So, excuse me. And I like what Buckminster said, right? It is not highly feasible to take care of everybody on earth at a higher standard of living than ever known. It no longer has to be you or me. Selfishness is unnecessary. 
War is absolute. It is a matter of converting the high technology from weaponry to living rate. <clears throat> Play, you know, turn your weapons into plowshares. So we just need to improve living standard for everyone. And, and America is the one that should do that. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. I got Santa Ana's in California and it, I'm allergic to all this crap. I loved, I love this, of course. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal by our creator with unalienable rights, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. What does uh, China and Russia's constitution say? <laughs> okay, and I love this. We come together, we solve problems, we win, they lose, we execute our foreign policy confident that we are that shining city on a hill with good Ronald Reagan. Don't have time to show his video, but it's a great video. And yes, we are never defeated unless we give up on God. Too much of our country has given up on him. Always have faith, buddy. Always have faith. This slide is great. I'm sure you guys at the Space Force Conference going on right now, you've, you've seen this slide. Thank you, Astrid Nanavim. So uh, this shows a conventional type of satellite. I like the American flag on it. If you had a bunch of power stars out there, heck, before it goes anywhere, you can vaporize it. So we're just a step ahead of you guys, okay? <laughs> Existing threats, directed energy weapons, right? These are your standard threats with high energy weapons and, of course, with debris. And so let, let's continue on. You can read these later. People that, like you, you know what you're doing. The different space technologies, I said you have to mature the space technologies to make this thing happen. I pointed out exactly what's really important. The AI decision-making capabilities, the advanced materials. This is an advanced material. It's a, it's a. We don't know if some of it maybe has a metal matrix composite to it or just a matrix composite. So, Because remember, after you balloon it up, you want it to be rigid, as Dave said. So we have ways that you could like send a pulse or maybe a frequency or something to it or maybe some energy to it, and it could harden up. I know we can make materials like that. So we need to come up with a way of doing that. So once it's gone to its full size capacity, it can morph into the shape we want it to. Understandable? Okay, of course, directed energy, renewable energy, space technology, integrated systems. We're all working on that. All of us. Okay, since... I'm taking the book things right out of your textbooks. So directed energy weapons, these are your standard ones. Of course, ours would be giant balloons in outer space. If you want them in lower space or even in atmosphere or high, alt high altitudes, you can have them there too. You can have, remember, each one can send and receive. So we can actually keep energizing us anywhere in the world, even when there's no sun shining, because we can relay them to each other. So all of this, we're, again, a step ahead of you. Let's get there. This is a frequency that defines a directed energy weapon or a high-powered microwave right there. And this is the typical sciences, you know, the propagation, target effects, and, and, trend, and anyway, us that do this, we know this already. I'm not going to talk about it because I don't have time. We're almost 6 o'clock, and I'm not even at Dave yet. Bummer. Okay, these are the technologies that need to be evolved, just like we're doing on the OPIR systems. There it is, OPIR systems and our existing space systems. I love that. Semper Sistius, always faster. Very important. 
All right, this one is cool too. So, where are all the nukes? Well, here they are. <laughs> There's your number. Okay, here's your location. Now, if I was China, I would want to fly them right over here and find out what frequencies interface with all these nuclear sites. And I'd want to find the sweet spot of exactly where those missiles would come from and find out what resonant frequency is the sweet spot so I could either go and invade them or destroy them or turn them off. You want to control them. Now this, you want to hover here. You want to, there's a good line right there. You could hover over here. So anyway, <laughs> you got my picture? Oh, wait, they did. I, so when I seen the Black Panther movie and found out that that guy died, I realized we could do this. Okay. And I sent it to a few of my friends, um, close, like, different government, uh, different military buddies and stuff like that. I sent it up to people and I said, I know how to stop nuclear war. And I said, I just fly, fly over and find the sweet spots. And that's exactly what they did. And okay. We waited till it got through. Boom. This is the practical joke they played on us. We could have blown it up anytime we wanted because, but we noticed it wasn't a threat, but Dave's system, when it was in Alaska, heck, Anytime we wanted to blow it up, we could have blown it up with Dave's system. Done. Now, if it was carrying these on the bottom of it, hypersonic gliders with new, with armed, whether it be nuclear or, or some type of chemical warfare, again, you know, whatever. If we knew that, so in these videos, you'll see they have built factories for these balloons and these hypersonic drops and they could go attack Taiwan. The last time I showed this slide was with the AIAA and it was just a week later and they actually sent a treaty over saying, you know, that they wouldn't they wouldn't fight with us China. And it was only on the news for one day. It disappeared since then. I don't know what happened. But you could see these billboards in China say that they've already declared war on us. Okay, move along, baby. The other problem and threat that we have to protect from is EMP and solar flares or mass corona, corona mass ejections. So, and remember, I know I've talked in the past where we stopped a nuclear device on a going through Panama Canal. If that thing would have went off over our heads, nine out of ten people would be dead in a year. Okay, it's a very important thing to worry about. So now what we do is we Faraday cage them with this solar microwave fabric. We can send energy directly down to it and we can protect it. And they, because they're a power station, they could send it back up to us, right? But there's also, you could use it on all our military vehicles. I mean, you could, okay, Faraday and EMP hardening, you know, 60 decibels, you know, you, you do that to harden it. And then, and then you could also use, I won't go any more technical details, but you could use it on a lot of our good stuff, okay, where we need it. Because right now, we're vulnerable. The biggest work program that keep people working in this country is protect our grid system. Because our, our right now with the, with the solar sunspots, the peak is going to be in 2025, okay? So we got two to three more years of really bad heat. No matter what, it's going to get worse, okay, for the next three years. So... So you ain't seen nothing yet. And it could send us a solar flare. 
don't look at the recipe of what that is, but look on this side. This is just making the solars, you know, this is just if you were to make a basic one, the recipe of what would be in this composite. That's just to show you all this stuff is realistic. Not fantasy. Now, from a DOE point of view, Department of Energy point of view, um, these are, we are only talking about the solar here. Now you could send it down right to the grid on top of your protected system, right? You send it right type on top of it. Because remember, more than a couple times, they've already, we've had terrorists shoot our transformers and shut down power, right? Like in Oakland and over on the East Coast. So they do this already. We got to do, we got to protect us from that. And if you put the material on your houses, on your factories and stuff, you just keep on plugging away. Dave's going to explain how he does that and how you can't steal from the energy from it. Same thing, different picture. I ain't going any deeper. Okay, space debris, big problem. How much, where is it? You know, <laughs> I'm going to put all these slides up after we get the link to this video and you guys can watch it at your leisure because there's way too much to talk about on that one. This one I always thought is nice because it shows what it may, what it looks like. And if you had a bunch of power stars throughout here, it would just start vaporizing and clearing house of anything that's either, you know, if it's unauthorized, it's vaporized. So this is your way to do it, baby. Money. Yes, I'm not going to talk about the Bitcoin yet, but the big important Yes, our debt is not that great. Okay, we could do when I'm not going to go into the bricks one. This the bricks thing came up before when I was when I was communicating with with uh, Barack Obama, and he actually because I said no, World War II they said only one monetary thing and it was the United United States dollar, and then he sent me back that uh, Justin Timberlake song and and uh, Black Eyed Peas. You know where is the love? <laughs> so anyway. Yes, we have to go digital, but you have to be able to use ours that's EMP resistant and can't get stolen from no matter what. It doesn't consume 16,000 liters of water for every transaction. Huh? So when Dave said that you have, you know, these consume up a lot of energy to clean the water to get this, you really think maybe paper money ain't such a bad idea. Okay. And then why do, why do terrorists always want to get paid in Bitcoin? So, make it resistant to problems. And yes, we have an executive order on it. We can do it. We need to do it. But it has to be done smart. Yes, we're not number one, and it's gotten a lot worse. I ain't going to talk that either. Okay, global economy. There it is. I just talked it. I'm not going into detail. You can see we're still number one. We do this system. We will remain number one for at least, like I said, 250 years. On our 250-year anniversary, Let's say we're going to power you for another 250 years at least, right? And protect us from outside, from the outside of meteorites or anything coming to kill us. We'll protect us. So, And remember, your worth is only the ability to produce, right? If you're not making nothing and you're not selling nothing, then it's no use. GDP, okay? America is now at the one 125% of our GDP. Okay, so we're in debt. But China's 300% of their GDP. So they're 
in worse condition than we are. They owe people longer and more than we do. We can help them out with it. They just, we don't like their political, we don't like their um, their political faction. We're not communists and we won't be. We better not be. I know one side of the aisle wants to go that way, at least socialist, which is just a stepping stone. Here's the biggest picture. All this debt, okay? There's our debts. And there's a hidden debt. 65 trillion in hidden debt. We lost 3 trillion on on DOD money, you know. I mean, there's a lot of debt. In 2050, we can't afford for people to retire? I mean, come on. I'm worried about that. So I love the fact that the world needs a special work program. Well, this is it. Not just these satellites, not just reinforcing our thing, but everything needs to be improved. Everything needs to be improved. All right. Took Now, this is a hard thing for Americans to swallow because, oh, we're the biggest polluters in the world. Well, actually, no. We break the most regulations because we have the most regulations in the world. That's what it is. So don't be fooled by, by scam artists or taxation artists, okay? Their standard of living is lower, which means they don't have as much regulation. So we, we let the suppliers... Yes, we let them dirty it up so they can manufacture the stuff to send it to us. That's really it. But we really need them to learn the skills, to be able to produce better and better all the time. And we can all improve our own backyards all the time. So now, if you know your world's going to turn into this, don't you think you'd find ways of having mining the earth minerals out of the out of underneath the sea if we started mining our we've got more rare earth minerals in the ocean anywhere in the world if you had a really efficient energy means of doing it you'd start putting more land where you need it where it's going to happen of course we're getting those models done now right so how do you do that well solar microfabric is at a low level Independently, for all the technologies, they're much more mature, but integrated together, it's not there yet. Now, because it is a high-powered micro, microwave-directed uh, energy weapon, we have to do all these different analysis and models and understand exactly what it is so we can make a good R a request for information and those come back and then we can start developing a better request for proposal. And able to do that, you need a Space Force World Protection Plan. I started one. I don't get paid anything from anyone for doing this. I haven't ever yet. <laughs> but because I got that vision, it has to be done. These are the basic ingredients of, of that type of system. The creation of energy, the beaming of energy, the collecting of energy, the data systems to do it. Integration, always a key factor. The added benefits, weather control, tracker beams. If you put tons of power stars into other out in orbit, I mean, make it a highway to heaven, man. You just put bunches of them and they can keep transmitted to each other as we keep going out and out and explore further and so on and so forth. And you can beam it down to desalination facilities. I mean, it's endless, the benefits you can gain from it. Now, I'm going to do a break. Let's all take a five. A, this is actually only a four minute break. Is that okay?